Hey there, welcome to the Northwest Audio Podcast Midweek Formation, where we give some supplemental content in order to form us as followers of Jesus beyond Sunday mornings. My name is Nick, I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and, our, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today we're going to be talking more about Luke's message on Sunday called Sex is Sacred. If you haven't heard it yet, no worries, just go back an episode and listen to it on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now. Um, and so before we begin, I do want to remind all our listeners that we want you to be involved and engaged with this podcast. So if you have any questions about sermons you hear or any faith-related things, uh, you can submit those on our website under media or using the QR code on the chairs on a Sunday morning. Uh, we really do encourage you to use that resource so that this podcast can be as beneficial to you as possible for your formation as a follower of Jesus. Uh, that's the whole goal here. So that being said, Luke, let's dive right in. Uh, you talked at the beginning about uh, the beginning of your message about uh, you mentioned like the question, how did we get here? Um, and so I just I thought maybe we could talk a little bit more about that. Um, is there anything more that you wanted to expand on that you didn't really get to say um, in your message that you felt like, man, I would love to say this, but I just don't have the time. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. And for our listeners who are tuned in right now to this podcast, one, thank you. But two, we do want to offer a general content warning given the nature of this discussion. And we understand we are not under the illusion that some of what we'll discuss could be triggering. Uh, Our hope is that it's not. Our hope is that it's forming and that you feel spiritually formed and renewed and filled by our uh, podcast time together. But nonetheless, we wanted to offer a general content warning. To answer your question, Nick, there was much more to say on how we got here as a society. And the Bible has already told us how we got here as a society because I believe every Christian in every era of the church post Christ's resurrection has pro- probably asked the very same question is like, how did we how did we get here? <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? And so I I think of Romans 126. Mm-hmm. Romans 126 here, uh, Paul is um, communicating um, to the, the listeners, the Christians in Rome. There is this uh, battle for the soul happening in Rome, because Rome is the empire of all empires, the influential, um, it, it was the cultural empire epicenter. It was the cosmopolitan, the influential hub of all people was Rome and the Roman Empire. And here Paul is saying the most unpopular things to Roman pop culture, to Roman cosmopolitan culture. And he's trying to encourage the Christians that are living in Rome with a very clear message uh, that the juxtaposition between Roman culture and kingdom culture could not be more in contrast. Mm. And so in Romans one twenty six, uh, he says something to the effect, and I'm going to paraphrase this here, uh, he, as in God, gave them up to their shameful lusts when they traded natural desires for unnatural ones. Mm. So in Romans, we have scriptural 
clear evidence where Paul is describing how we got here. And the we has been there since the days of Rome. We've already been there, right? Child sacrifice, pedophilia, these things have been around for ages. Right. And it's heartbreaking, and it's sad, and it's wrong. And uh, praise God, God has created the church as an influential body of people in hopes to uh, create godly change in a world so trapped by darkness. So I'm going to say something that's probably super unpopular, but popularity is not the prerequisite for truth, right? And on Sunday, I wanted to make sure that the 200, 300 people that were under the sound of my voice listening to this very delicate and sensitive subject either heard the Holy Spirit offer a word of mercy for them because they feel like there's um, things in their past that they're shameful about, that, they're, that they uh, um, are regretful of, and God works great in those spaces. He is so good at redeeming and restoring someone because he loves people. And that mercy had to be crystallized. And then there's the Christian in the room who is stubborn. And most Christians that I know, myself included, stubborn. are stubborn people. Quite stubborn. Quite stubborn. And so my prayer was that the Holy Spirit in his wisdom would wrestle with the stubborn and wrestle them into agreement with what God's word has said for such a long time. We got here because the enemy has done an incredible job of teaching this subject. Yeah. And we've believed it for so long. Well, you even said that in your message, you had said that, you know, whatever the church doesn't teach, the world will, and the world's teacher is the enemy. Um, and I, I even wrote this down uh, during your message. I, t- I took note of this, of the fact that the, a worldly view of sex um, is, is like an illusion, and, and it comes with the, the illusion of being more free and loving, but in reality, it's actually bringing more trauma and imprisonment and and. and hate and selfishness and and honestly sexism and an inhumane view of sex and you know it's just funny that we we talk about satan as the father of lies and yet we're shocked when what he presents as freeing and loving doesn't end up being freeing and loving and it ends up being the opposite and yet time and time again we're still fooled you know it's such a paradox. It's such a paradox. The, the lesson from the enemy's syllabus is uh, branded sexual freedom, but it actually delivers sexual slavery. Yeah, because the enemy has flipped God's good world upside down and said, you know, freedom isn't what you think it is. You know, and he, he is, he's gone in here and said, you know, Freedom is when you get to do everything without limitations. And God's like, no, no, no. I created those limitations for a reason. The limitations were for a purpose. It's so much better within the limitations. You, like you've, you've destroyed something that was good. I often correlate those limitations or those, those freedoms that God is offering as like the bumpers on a bowling alley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it now frees you to win. <laughs> it, frees, <laughs> it frees you 
to keep the ball on the lane and actually hit the pins. And there's like, obviously that's tongue in cheek and you know, that breaks down at some point, but I think the sentiment is true. Yeah. Like God is, is providing us uh, some guardrails, some limitations, because he knows that within those guardrails and within those limitations, there is freedom and there is much joy to delight in. And I just, I'm, I'm so hurt and pained by what the enemy has done to not just the world, but also Christian communities, because this this uh, lie that the enemy has taught uh, people and the world in general, it's a pretty sexy lie. It's easy to believe. Mm-hmm. But when you look at something like Romans one twenty six, it's really hard to argue with Paul's attempt to make a compare and contrast between the Roman world and the kingdom of God. And he says, God gave them up. God will always give you, or I guess permit, what you want. If you want something bad enough, he's not going to hold you back from experiencing that. And it says he gave them up to their shameful lust, trading unnatural desires, excuse me, trading natural desires for unnatural ones. And so I always think about um, sexual desire. I would even just say, uh, sexual desire, the the way that pop culture is taught uh, sex, and I, you know, in in fear of um, ostracizing someone, know that what I'm trying to do here is teach the Bible. But I even think the term sexual orientation is completely mythical, because mm. there's no such thing as sexual orientation. That verse just taught that sexual reorientation is what sin does to us, mm. right? And so. There's just no scriptural evidence for for um, sexual orientation to be uh, part of God's overall value system. Instead, we have sin creating sexual reorientations. We, in our sin, trade natural desires for unnatural ones. And this is applied across the board. This isn't specific to one issue about sex or sexuality. This is in general, right? Right, And so I think that the enemy has convinced a world that sex and sexuality in general is the pinnacle of the existence of life. And if you can engage in sex and sexuality the way that you want to, and it doesn't matter how you want to, you should be able to, that lie comes with the promise of fulfillment and it only delivers disappointment. Mm. And so why is it important that we preach this, teach this, disciple this, get on a podcast and talk about this? Well, it's because God really loves us and He, it pains his heart to see us believing lies and trapped in their snares. Well, it's like even Paul said this. He said, you know, everything is everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Yeah, is that is that so is that not a good verse to describe the yeah. world we live in in 2023? Yeah. God's like, you can do whatever the heck you want, but you're going to regret it if it's <laughs> not within these things. Like like not everything is going to yeah. benefit you the way you think it will. Isn't that doesn't it that, doesn't that make God so approachable and interesting? Absolutely. Like a good good father who's like, "Look, look, my love for you is so good yeah. that I'm going to let you feel the consequences of your choices. And let you fail. So that. Yeah. And he's like, I, whatever you decide to do, I will love you. Yeah. I will love you through it. 
yeah. and I will be with you through it and I'll help you pick up the pieces of your mess after you've made a mess. Like when you are feeling hurt and broken because of something that happened, I will still come near to you. I'm not going to abandon you because you went against me. I'm still going to be next to you, but I really don't think that you should do this. I really think you should live this way. And it's just, I don't know. That's just such a, for me, that, that feels very, um, I don't know what the word is, welcoming. It's like a, what is the word that I'm It makes God of? approachable. Yes. It makes God approachable. And when we think about God, we often think about like the guy with the gavel, like making the final call or uh, some kind of um, capricious uh, God who uh, only wants us to do good, doesn't want us to do bad, and doesn't really care about the human experience. But as we get to know Jesus, we get to know a God who is, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And the character of God is perfectly crystallized in the human God of Jesus. And praise Jesus that God has given us an opportunity, right, to know him through his son Jesus, because there's nothing like sexual sin and bondage and trauma for us to run from God. Yeah. It is the number one thing. I love I love that you just brought up that verse. Like you you did the same thing in your message and I was like, wow, what a perfect use of of that verse of of come to me with your burdens. Come to me with your burden, your frustration, with with the way things are, your trauma, your regret. Come to me with all of those things and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Uh you even said uh, God is not waiting for you to clean up. He's coming after you. Um or I think you said that. I might have said that. <laughs> I said I said it in so many words, but and I think it's I mean, if if you think about your life for a second, Nick, and I know as I reflect on my life, I am so grateful that God pursued my heart, even when my heart was disinterested mm. in in confession and repentance, when when I was just like a slave to my flesh, in my pride, in in my ego. And in my own selfish desires, we have a God who's just like, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to continue to pursue you and pursue you and pursue you because my, I love you. And you're a, you're a parent. I'm a parent. Yeah. Right? And if God is a father, if God is a father, is there anything Judea could do? Is there anything my Mila, my Sia, or my Maddox could do that would preclude me from pursuing their hearts? Yeah, I was telling this to the students um, over the summer. We were talking about God's love one night, and it was right after I had I had Jude, and um, I, I sat there and was kind of in awe of just like I was thinking of this moment that I was sitting and holding Jude, holding my little infant, you know, my my two week old baby, and. So far, she's done nothing but inconvenience my life. <laughs> you know, like she's taking sleep from me. She is constantly in need of, you know, a bottle, a diaper change, this, that. She's loud. She's crying. You know, she's all these things. And I'm like, this, you know, experience-wise, objectively, this is terrible. <laughs> like this is, having a newborn is not a good time. And yet, I just love her with everything inside of me. You know, and it, and if if it weren't in this context, our culture today would be like, cancel that relationship. That's super unhealthy for you. That relationship's not good for you. 
But I'm looking at this and I'm like, I couldn't possibly abandon her. Mm. I couldn't possibly cancel this relationship because there's nothing that she can do that would make me want to do that. No matter the inconvenience, no matter the the issue. Um. So, yeah, I just... Going off of that parent description, it just made me think like, you're Judea, my three. I don't need them to obey for me to be okay. Right. Like, I don't need them to change for me to be complete, whole, and mentally stable, right? God doesn't need us to change. But because of his complete and total love... He wants us. Yeah, God to wants us, God wants us to change for us, not for Him. Right, and I think that's honestly that's the misconception. That's the misconstrued yeah uh, perception of God. Everyone's like, I don't like, I don't want to serve a God that wants me to change. And it's like He doesn't want you to change because He thinks you're crappy and He doesn't like you the way you are now. He wants you to change because it's so much better that way, and He wants what's best for you. Yep, like He wants you to experience a good life. And he wants you to experience these things. And so that this is the way to get those things. You know what I mean? It's just like a, it just makes sense. Yep. It makes sense. And yet we are constantly running away from God. Um, you you kind of mentioned David a little bit. Um, and David is, King David is honestly the best person to talk about when approaching this subject of sexual sin and running from God and running towards God and all of these things, because we call David a man after God's own heart. And yet, David literally saw a woman on a rooftop and was like, oh yeah, I just want her. (laughs) And then they had sex. She got pregnant and he was like, oh, I'll just go kill your husband to cover it up. That's terrible. It's terrible. In America, we'd give him the death penalty. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? And and yet we look back at him and we're like, he was a man after God's own heart. (laughs) Why? It's not because he didn't make mistakes. It's because he knew where to run to afterwards. He knew to run towards God instead of away. He knew that God's truth was, hey, I'm still here for you. I mean, even think about the psalm. You know, I turn my eyes to the mountains. Where Mm. does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from a God who sees me and loves me, even when I make mistakes. And I know that I can run back to him and I can change. I know that my mistakes don't define me. And so, and so off of that, for all of our listeners, your mistakes don't define you. Yeah, praise Jesus. And that goes beyond sexual sin. That goes beyond anything that has to do with sex or sexuality like we're talking about today. Whatever your mistakes, God loves you beyond that. God loves you in spite of whatever you've done. Like those don't exclude you from his family. Yeah, you, you make such a solid point there because if we were to do things right and if we were to live from Christ's righteousness imputed into us, God in his son Jesus who died on the cross, who covers us in his blood, we are now fully atoned for in that sense. And we are in a good, right relationship with God the Father. Our right decisions and the things that we do well don't improve our identity. We were already completely identified and secure in our relationship with God. So the opposite has to be true as well, Mm -hmm. which is our mistakes 
don't compromise our identity with God. And honestly, that's the problem with the mentality that the purpose of Christianity is to get into heaven. Oh, yeah, totally, man. Which because, is a completely different subject, but yes. you're. But it's, <laughs> it's that idea of like, well, if I become a Christian now, I follow Jesus and I do all these things. If I were to become a Christian right before I died, my identity is exactly the same as if I became a Christian at the beginning of my life and followed him every day. My identity yes. in Christ is exactly the same. And so people would be like, well, then what's the point of following Jesus? Like, why follow Jesus? Why can't I just wait until the end? You know what I mean? Like, and then I can do whatever I want. It's because following Jesus isn't just for heaven. Right. It's for now. Preach that, brother. Because following Jesus isn't just about getting your ticket. It's not about getting the stamp. Eternal life doesn't start after you breathe your last breath. Eternal life begins the second that you go into the waters of come baptism. On. It begins the second that you Preach. receive the Holy Spirit. Yes. Like when God says, I've come to bring you life and life to the full, I've come to bring you eternal life. He's not just referring to afterlife. He's referring to now. He wants you now. And he and his hope is that you would want him now because that's what's best for you. It just makes sense. I don't know, man. I just... It just makes sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> you guys didn't know that Pastor Nick was going to preach today, I get, I did get, you? I get fired up about this. It's not about heaven. It's about bringing heaven to earth. Yeah. And I mean, look at look at everything that Jesus talked about when he during his ministry. It's not like he just ran around and was like, you know, I need to get you into heaven when you <laughs> die. You know, he wasn't running around like, buy yourself into heaven. Like, nothing like that. He was talking about, hey, let's go help the poor. Let's go yeah. bring good news to, to the poor and, and to the sick and to the hungry and the lost. Like, I came to seek and save the lost and bring them back. Like, how is that not clear? I don't know. We've gotten on a huge tangent beyond beyond sex, I guess, but I I don't know. We have, but I think it I think it's good. It That's is, what this podcast is for. It's, it's just, beautiful. It, this podcast is for the tangents and for all of the things that we can't do on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that sexual sin gets in the way of a lot of that enthusiasm for it God's does. work. Right? Because it it carries just so much Regret and shame and bondage. And, and pain. And pain. Like, it almost comes back to this, this idea that everything um, has an equal capacity for good as it does for bad, for love as it does for hate, you know? So if an example of this, in my marriage, there is the potential for an unbelievable amount of love that doesn't come with a surface level friendship that I have with someone that I like an acquaintance, right? There's more love in a marriage relationship than an acquaintance relationship, but there's also equally the, the potential for pain in that same category, if that makes sense. Like in my marriage, I'm much more likely to be extremely hurt than I am with an acquaintance. You know, we talked about this in the community on the community week of like, oh, I don't want to be in community because then I'll get hurt. Well, no, join community because that's where the love is. You know what I mean? If you if you don't if you want to avoid the hurt, then you have to avoid the love. And so the same thing applies to sex. Because sex is such a vulnerable experience 
such an intimate experience. There's something so amazing about that vulnerability and that intimacy. But because you are putting yourself out there so much, more than you ever could, you are risking being equally devastated in pain. That's the risk. And so when we, when we turn God's idea and, and view and vision for sex into a different direction, we're only increasing the risk. Like, the more we go away from God, the more we increase the risk. I like to think of it, um, and this could answer the question for the person who is like, I did everything that I was supposed to do and I still got hurt. I waited till I got married and I still ended up getting a divorce or I still ended up in pain. I Going with the the, the wood analogy, I, I went with the grain and I still got splinters. How did that happen? And that is kind of the tricky thing about the world is that God says, you know, go with the grain, you won't get splinters, but there's kind of like a little asterisk of like the people that you interact with, if you don't want to get any splinters, they also have to go within the grain. <laughs> You know, or for a marriage, if, if two flesh become one, right, and and one of one of the people in the in the marriage goes against the grain, the person that stayed with the grain now get they ha- they experience those splinters from the other person because you are getting their baggage, you are getting their their consequences, and so that's why you feel the pain of of sexual sin even if you didn't even do it. Even if you are the one that, that stayed with the grain of God, that stayed with the vision of God, you still have the capacity for that pain. And that's still going to happen. So I, I don't want to get on here and be like, oh, just don't do it or anything wrong, and you'll never feel pain again. Like, no, that is not true. Don't don't mistake that um, for, for that meaning. Like, we, we're not trying to say that at all. Um, it's, But you can't deny that all of the pain that we experience can go, if you just follow its roots, it will go back to at least one person who made a mistake. And actually that one person scripturally is Adam, right? Yeah, way to go, Adam. Adam. Way to screw it up for everybody. (laughs) Caused me so much pain, loser. Yeah, in fear of getting a little too pastoral and maybe over-spiritualizing the pragmatic of this conversation, I do think it is important for the listeners to really comprehend this, the truth, the magnitude of this truth, which is whether it was the inherited sin of Adam, whether it was that sin has the power to fracture the very fibers of the cosmos, this cosmic treason that took place in the garden, whether it was exposure to pornography when you were a child or abuse from someone who was supposed to protect you, there has, this, there has been a reorientation of the flesh to desire unnatural things. And in those unnatural things, there will be consequences that are felt. And so many of us carry this burden and this shame when you just need to understand that much of your own trauma and pain is not something you chose, but it's something that has been applied and projected onto you. Mm. Sometimes. And, sometimes. But let's just call a spade a spade here. Many people don't know why they feel the way that they feel. 
many people don't understand why they struggle with what they struggle with. And I think that it's a really important place to start to understand the magnitude of the truth that we have all inherited the sin of Adam. And that cosmic treason has really messed up the design of humans. And we all desire really upside-down things. And so this is why discipleship is just so important. This is why uh, the, the Bible needs to have authority over our lives. This is why God's people must do God's work and reach the lost. Is because this pain is acute, and this pain prevents people from engaging healthy relationships. This pain uh, prevents Christians from engaging the mission. And so if you are a person in pain, the temptation will be to perpetually run from the Father, run from God. And yes, sin does separate us from God, but not for the reasons that you think it does. Sin separates us from God because when we are engaged in sin, we turned our back on God and ran. He did not move. It is a lie. It is a, it is a lie uh, circulating the church. Sin separates you from God, and everybody concludes that that means God is disgusted with me in my sin, and God thinks that I'm dirty, and God thinks that I am someone he doesn't want to be around. But who came looking for Adam and Eve in the cool of the day? God. You, listener, must believe the magnitude of this truth, which is that in our sin, we are running from God. He did not move, and he still chases after you. And if that's um, a, a truth that you can believe right now or a truth that is going to be spoken over you as you speak it over yourself over many days and weeks and months and years that you eventually believe, I don't know, but you got to start. you got to start believing that truth because that's where it starts. That's where it starts for you to believe that you have a Father in heaven who loves you despite what you're going through and despite the pain and trauma that you carry, especially on the topic of sex, Nick. I mean, people are just so bonded and burdened by this topic. And it makes everyone squeamish and awkward. And that's that's why I was trying to make the room light on Sunday. Yeah. Which you did a good job at doing. Well, thanks. I was trying to do some self-deprecated humor and try to get the room laughing a little bit so everyone would relax some. I laughed at all of your self-deprecating humor. Well, thank you. I, I especially love self-deprecating <laughs> humor because it lightens the room and it gets people's hearts open to the truth. Yeah. And the, the person in the room that needs mercy, the Holy Spirit can facilitate that mercy. And then the stubborn Christian in the room who needs to wrestle with truth, the Holy Spirit can wrestle that person to the floor so that they would eventually agree with the truth of God's word. And so... Now, and I, I do want to say, sorry to interrupt, I want to say that for some people that might seem a little bit like intense, like, oh, God's going to wrestle me until I agree with him and believe what he says. Like, that's kind of a lot going on for God to do. Um, but I think that that comes down to a misunderstanding of change that God wants to give to us. Um, the change is not a change of your bad. The change is, um, we, a better word to use, honestly, would be healing. God's not just trying to change you. He's trying to heal you. He's trying to restore you. 
You said this on, on Sunday, and I, I loved this so much. You said, we serve a God who heals all things, and that includes your sex life. Your sex life and your, your, your sexual experiences that you've had and your sexual trauma, those are not excluded from the healing that God has for you and the healing that God wants to give to you. And that healing comes through change. Aren't you glad that the solar system is designed the way it is? If the sun was just a little bit closer to Earth, we'd all burn up. Poof. (laughs) If the sun was a little bit further away from the Earth, we'd all freeze. If you're waiting for me to do a sound, I don't have one. Yeah, I don't think there's a sound for freeze. But you get the point, listener, right? You get the point that a good, valuable, beautiful thing enjoyed, or I should say someone trying to enjoy or the attempt to enjoy that thing, but in the wrong place, in the wrong context, isn't really all that enjoyable. It just brings frustration and disappointment. And wouldn't you know, you can avoid that. We, by God's power, by following the Holy Spirit's leading in our life, can avoid that frustration. It's a lie from the devil to believe that you can't. Right? It's a lie from the enemy that he says, you'll be addicted to porn forever, or you'll be spending your money on prostitutes forever, or you'll never have sex in your marriage again. And these are all lies. These are all lies. So, okay, if you are a married couple right now, and you are listening to this podcast, we haven't brought you up a whole lot. We haven't brought up married couples specifically. but We literally did last week. I did last week. You're right. Last week was literally on marriage. Oh, completely about marriage. I'm talking about this podcast right now. Today, oh, okay. But yes. I thought you meant like as a whole. No, no, My no. Bad. On just on just on this podcast. Continue. I would tell you that after almost 11 years of marriage, it is just so so important, so important to have these conversations with your spouse. And if you are not having sex. As a married couple, well, the funny part is you should be praying, right? Because that was what the passage said. <laughs> if you're not having sex, you should be praying. But seriously, if you're not having sex, you need to identify why. Like, what is getting in the way of that? What's what's not been addressed? So married couples, figure out what is in the way of you not enjoying this beautiful, incredible gift. Now, if you're not married, if you're not married, and you're trying to figure out how sex fits into your life, Quite literally, Paul preached, if your loins are burning, get married. He literally made the claim, it is better for you to get married than to be trapped by the bondage of sexual sin. It is better for you to say yes to the obligations, to the responsibility of a marital covenant, than to continue to live in perpetual sexual bondage. If your loins are burning, if you have no ability to have self-control, you need to get married. I mean, we've gotten so far from that instruction. We've gotten so far from the biblical design for sex and sexuality that a lot of the what the Bible teaches sounds radical, but it's not radical to God. It just sounds radical to us because of how far we've gotten away from that instruction and from that design. And so married couples need to be having sex. If you're not, you need to figure out what's in the way. Why aren't you having sex? And single people, 
you you either need to do one of two things. You either need to pursue a covenantal, covenantal marriage so that you can enjoy the gift of sex with someone you actually want to live with the rest of your life. Like, don't Yeah, don't just go mar- out there and yeah, be that's like, foolish. I found a warm body. <laughs> that's stupid. Time don't to get that. married. But I will say that if you're single and you're just like, well, look, I don't know how sex fits into my life, if at all, you may just need to come to terms with, and believe God when he says that he is someone who will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. You can believe God that that relationship with his son Jesus is so intimate and so satisfactory that you might find yourself not needing sexual intercourse or sexual encounters as much as you thought you did. And if you could just imagine how much pain you would avoid if you chose to live a celibate lifestyle, my guess is that you'd be a lot more settled and a lot more confident in that decision. And content. Sex is not the end-all be-all. No. It is so good, but it is don't, not God good. Don't don't make sex a sacred cow. Like oh, Don't man. be like, man, I've got to have sex, and so now I'm going to do all of these things just so I can have sex. You will be... Thoroughly disappointed. He's so disappointed. Dude, that was so pro- prophetic what you just said. Don't make sex a sacred cow. We're literally trying to form our people to say yes, that sex is sacred, but it is not a sacred cow. Yeah. It is not the hill to die on. It's good. It's just not God good. Yeah. Like it's not as good as God. It's not like you need it to to survive. No, you'll live. Jesus. You'll live. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. I want to go back to something you said that I think is a Honestly, it applies to everything, and I think it'd be um, a missed opportunity if I didn't just kind of refer back to it a little bit. You said, if you're not having sex in your marriage, you need to find out what's in the way and why. And I think that is a, a beautiful sentiment to have for everything when it comes to following Jesus. <clears throat> When it comes to following Jesus and there's something that we're just we're not doing, there's a way that we're not following him, that should always be the first question we ask. What's in the way of me running towards Jesus? What's blocking me? And like like why am I not doing this? Um and when you ask yourself that or you ask your spouse that, you ask your um your friends that, you 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 know, the people that you confide in, you you talk about that. I think you will consistently be surprised. Um, you know, and this isn't always, but oftentimes the thing that, that keeps us from God is is a lie. It's a deception. And all it takes is some, some reason and some truth to shine light onto that darkness and be like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to be blocked from God. I don't have to be blocked from this way of Jesus. Um, so yeah, I just... I. I know that's not like completely relevant, but I just wanted to make sure that that was said when I heard you say that. I was like, oh man, that's a good opportunity. All right. I think we've said all the things that we need to say. So let's wrap it up. Let's do, um, let's do some final encouragements. I think uh, we've kind of, I've kind of liked this rhythm that we've been doing the past couple of weeks. So Luke, let's uh, hear from you a final word of encouragement for those that are listening. What you got? Yeah, man, I would say that 
for a final word of encouragement, don't give up on God's plan for sex and sexuality because it's a perfect plan. It's a perfect plan. And I know you got baggage. I know you got stuff. We all have it. We have all had it at one point in our life or another. But just because you got it doesn't mean that, that you have to keep it. You can allow the Lord to heal it, which means you might have to reach out for help. You might need to contact one of your pastors, uh, a trusted friend. If maybe you still live under your parents' home and you are close enough with your parents to offer this very vulnerable part of your life voluntarily, I, I don't know. Maybe you're a husband or a wife that just needs to confide and confess to their spouse about what's going on. Look, get some help. Get some help. That is a lonely road to walk alone, my friend. God's got a plan for sex and sexuality, and it is a perfect plan, and it works perfectly when we enjoy it in the right place. So if you're not enjoying it in the right place right now, and you're frustrated, reach out for some help. help. And hopefully you trust your local church enough to at least get it going, at least get the plan started. And even if um, the local church can't be the long-term therapeutic that you need, it can certainly be the long-term community that you desire. And we can certainly point you to um, the needed counseling or therapy that would help um, supplement the journey of healing. That's my my encouragement. Yeah. um, No, that's good. My final encouragement would be to let this form you. Um, this this whole podcast is based on formation and letting the Word of God form you in everything that you do, and that includes your sex life. I think we often just kind of exclude that from it, um, and it's because we don't view sex as sacred. It's because we view sex as a separate thing. And so I encourage you to, um, you know, not just with this podcast, but even other resources as well, um, finding like coming to a place where God can inform and form the way that you view sex, the way that you engage in sex, and the way that you live life just all together. Like that's just, it's more of a holistic view of how God wants to interact with his people. You can't just leave part of it out. And so I would encourage you not to. And I would encourage you to um, not let this one podcast be like, oh, that's not about formation. No, it's still about formation. It's still about being transformed and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So yeah, that's what we got. Don't forget, you can submit your own questions. Um, about the sermon or other faith-related things, and we will address them. We'll talk about them. Uh, So just use the QR code on the back of the chairs or go to our website under media, and you can ask your questions. You can find more details and information about our community at mercyroadnw.com, and you can get a hold of me or Luke there as well. If you go to our staff page, you'll find our info. So thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon.